Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. We're starting with an article Amanda came across called Tragic Optimism is the Opposite of Toxic Positivity. This is from The Atlantic. And just in sort of very broad strokes, it actually makes sense to uh, start at the end of the article. And, and it just explains that having gratitude, essentially, for life, even when life doesn't go well, having gratitude as a fleeting emotion can come and go, but gratefulness or existential gratitude can pervade your entire life through its ups and downs. It asks for nothing but is on the lookout to find the hidden benefit and opportunities for growth in everything, even during a global pandemic. As Eamon said at the recent International Meaning Conference, gratitude is not just a switch to turn on when things go well, it is also a light that shines in the darkness. How do I get a ticket to the International Meaning <laughs> Conference? <laughs> Just, Maybe so. Maybe, yeah, I feel we'll like that's something out, I uh, might be interested in. <laughs> Maybe some press passes. Oh, there you go. So does anyone have initial takeaways on the benefits of gratefulness on mental health? So what this article is talking about, you know, it's not just gratitude, although gratitude is part of the method to get to this point, but tragic optimism involves the search for meaning amid the inevitable tragedies of human existence. Something far more practical and realistic during these time, trying times is how they introduce it. And I, I think that what I appreciate about this is I, I subscribe to the idea of, you know, counting your blessings, so to speak. That's the phrase of it, you know, like writing down what you're grateful for. I know that does actually change our brain, but it always felt a little bit too Pollyanna for me. And I was always like, I feel like I'm avoiding something. I feel like I'm choosing to look at this and I'm ignoring the rest of it. And this is just, it feels like a more balanced approach that we're acknowledging bad things happen, things are shitty. I think what I learned is that the process of identifying what you're grateful for and holding what you're grateful for and that things go bad and are awful and both can happen at the same time can lead you to feeling like you have the capacity to help others. And so I went from feeling like this whole gratefulness idea was very selfish to feeling like, oh, okay, this is a means to an end where you could actually have a greater capacity to give to others. And I think that no one has framed it like that for me, at least what I've read about it before. And I thought this was very clarifying. I saw, I saw this as kind of a explanation for religion and why it exists. The idea of, of believing in a God that allows horrible things to happen, but it's just part of the plan. It's just part of the plan. Seems to me like the toxic positivity. And you can just put that all away. Everything's good. And you never actually have to deal with the bad things because they're just a part of the plan. Whereas tragic optimism, you do have to accept that things are bad and bad things do happen. But 
you can find your own meaning from them. And maybe religion can do that, but I, I do think it's it's a lot easier to outsource that idea and not actually do any of the work yourself because there are plenty of religious people who do great works for other people, but a lot of it seems to boil down to I'm saved. Like the, all the stuff that's happening, the is just temporary. None of this actually matters that much because this is just like a giant SAT test for the, the better eternal heaven that's coming. So maybe just to clarify things for the listeners, I I realized I should have pulled this list of examples. So they have this bullet pointed list of of, uh, things that a person may be grateful for if they are practicing this form of tragic optimism in the face of actual tragedy. So I am grateful for my life, even in times of suffering. I am grateful that my inner resources have increased as a result of overcoming adversities, which I think is an important one. It it, it is taking the adversity as part of the process, which is, I think, referring to, it's not not ignoring the parts that are bad to focus on what's good. It's finding the good in the bad. It is facing it directly and taking optimism from it. Uh, And then there are a few others. I'm grateful that every crisis represents an opportunity for me to grow. I have learned the importance of gratitude through suffering, that sort of thing. So those are very, you know, broad examples, which means they can be applied in lots of different places. And I I hope I also want to point out that it's not about being grateful for the bad thing, because there's been a lot of conversation lately about you know, oh, you're stronger if you've been through hell and back. Well, nobody wants to go through hell and back. And like, it's not worth (laughs) like, that's not how it should be framed. People can go through hell and back. And it's the process of dealing with what you have been through that can get you to a better place. But no one is grateful and happy for the bad things that happen to someone or to your or to you. It's the process of working through that difficulty. And and so I, I want to clarify that because there's sometimes some conversations about, especially as part of rape culture, like, oh, well, they they were raped, but look at them now. Like, it made them stronger. Well, nobody is, you know, grateful for the rape. Nobody is grateful for the thing that traumatized them. It's looking for traumatizing things to happen because it will make them better people. It's just that when something does happen, that process and how you handle it and how you go through dealing with all of it can bring you to a better place. This brought me back to thinking about the thoughts versus feelings and how, because of how our language is structured, often we associate thoughts with actual feelings instead of letting ourselves feel things. So I think sometimes when people go towards the gratitude, they're just replacing thoughts, but never actually, again, going through the emotions of whatever they're facing. But On the flip side, what we're talking about, uh, it reminds me of how people talk about grief or how I've experienced people talking about grief with the acknowledgement that why you feel all of the, you know, longing, the missing, all of the negative emotions around it. They stem from that like positive love, feeling that like connectedness with someone. This is also kind of how I deal with things where I'll go on like a binge where I'm like, all the way down into the world is terrible. This, all of this stuff is going on. It's compiling. 
but what's the alternative not to experience anything in life, not to be here? Like that's not necessarily what I would want. So maybe that doesn't seem like such a positive note for others, but I feel like it's my, (laughs) my way of balancing where I both can feel like all the negativity and acknowledge, you know, the painful side of living because sometimes like living is painful, but also just acknowledging that I want to experience these things. If you don't experience the bad, you're not also here for the good. So. And on, on the note of, you know, recognizing reality as it is and just dealing with it as you know, Aaron was just describing, uh, there's this line Humans have a natural tendency to adapt and become used to situations that are relatively stable. When individuals become aware that their advantages are not guaranteed, many then come to appreciate them more. As the writer G.K. Chesterton put it, quote, until we realize that things might not be, we cannot realize that things are, unquote. And what I I wanted to ask everyone's take on this and how it relates to, or whether you think it relates to the commentary I did in the the last episode of January, where I was talking about how one of the things that brings me some degree of bizarro comfort in a world in which there are terrible people doing and saying terrible things, trying their hardest to make life bad for other people, is that I just think of humanity as a natural force that is always going to have those elements in it. And it is inevitable that it is impossible to imagine a world in which there are not those fringe elements at the very least. I mean, obviously we would work to keep them on the fringes, but to, um, to spend any time, uh, you know, or spend any mental energy wishing those people away, wishing that they would be different. seems like, sort of not just a a waste of time, but, but like a rejection of the reality of what humanity is. And that last quote, until we realize that things might not be, we cannot realize that things are reminded me so clearly of of a quote that I mentioned in, in that commentary about people who are accustomed to privilege or to people who are accustomed to privilege. Equality feels like oppression And I just think, right, because they didn't realize how things were and then began to realize that things could change. And that's what made them realize, oh, wait, there's a whole dynamic here and I have a role to play. Now, I mean, we argue that you shouldn't fight against equality for the sake of your own privilege, but it was the point I was making. They, you know, they imagine themselves as equal to everyone else and now being oppressed. But that's kind of what that quote means. So I don't know, did, did this article or, you know, anything related to it? I think that makes a lot of sense in the, the context of toxic positivity, because if you are in a place of privilege, you're able to see everything in a positive light. Everything's positive. Everything's positive because you don't necessarily understand the struggles that the average person in the world is going through, or even, you know, just how hard life is for most people in the world. So you get to avoid that. It is very difficult to live in a world that is constantly telling you to see things as positive, see things as positive, think positively, and then have to deal with the reality that as you know, like Buddhists say that life is suffering there. Even just your, you know, coming into the world 
is a horrible experience for one of you, at least. And that's just the way life is. No one ever dies at the right time. No one ever dies and it's happy for everyone. I mean, there's some people in the history of the world that that was a good thing, but there were some people that were upset about it. There's, there's always tragedy from beginning to end and never accepting that until it's forced upon you. It's got to be difficult because you've been conditioned not to see the, the reality. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a large stoic experiment to just accept the tragedy in our lives. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. <laughs> nice. Nice. Do we all know people in our lives that are like the perpetual optimist who continues to do those. And then you see at some point in their life when they're faced with some heavy adversity, they crack pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I was reading the article and it was talking about when you're constantly in that mode, when you actually experience those like big hardships, they have a hard time coping. And it like makes sense because you're not implementing coping strategies. You're essentially just doing this avoidance, this replacement. So I think we all embracing our little darkness and our thought holes, like we're just better equipped to deal with, you know, the man. Oof, that was going to be a dark statement. (laughs) (laughs) Let me not say that. (laughs) Yeah, let me pull back a little bit. But in a better position to just face the adversity that naturally comes with being alive. And I I think that in dark times, you can just live with the darkness or you can try to find some way, some little way that you can maybe make something better, right? Because usually humans do want action. They want to be able to do something. And I was reading another article about how pessimism comes from feeling like you, you have no control over your situation. That's like part of where the despair ends up coming from. And so if you can find a place to channel your energy, which a lot of progressives <laughs> inherently try to do, that can can feel tremendously better. And yeah, there are some problems that are going to feel too daunting and too big, but you can do something. And I I liked this this quote in the article saying true gratefulness rejoices in the other. So when you can help someone and you can help someone else's life improve or help society improve or, you know, whatever it might be, you can tap into gratefulness in a deeper way because we are trying to bring everyone up We're we're taking some sort of action and feel significantly less out of control or less helpless. Yeah, I, I think I think the the toxic positivity that is pervasive that uh, I think a lot of people is it is um, as you said at the beginning, Amanda, that you know it, it's about sort of ignoring the bad parts. And so for a long time, I have thought that the flip side of ignoring the bad parts is doing work toward goodness and. Conversation certainly doesn't replace it. I mean, that's what you're you're saying that like doing work, trying to make improvements wherever you can, can be integral. But at the same time, that it could potentially be another way of sort of 
not directly confronting terrible things that are happening, you know, mentally or emotionally. And so it does feel like this might might be the missing piece that to directly confront the negative and look for optimism in it while doing <laughs> the work and making whatever improvements we can wherever possible that like those things together finally feel like a whole strategy. So this yeah. brought up to me a, a Khalil Gibran quote, our anxiety does not come from thinking about the future, but wanting to control it. So this idea that you are doing good works because you could make the world a better place, I think gets replaced in this idea that you're just doing good things for people because it's the right thing to do. It it may not make the world a better place. It probably won't end suffering. But in and of itself, that's what you, you do because it gives meaning. Doing good things for other people, regardless of how they respond to it, because they may not give it back is a good in and of itself and expecting them to change or anything else to change kind of defeats the purpose of just being grateful. That is it for yeah. today's so, free sample. So Paying members are who make this entire show possible. And so these bonus episodes and the bonus clips that go in our regular episodes are all just to say thanks to them for their support. And we've been in a drought of advertisements on the show for a while now, which means we are all the more grateful for every single member who signs up. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support or from right inside the Apple Podcasts app. If you can't afford a membership, I offer financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email and we'll get you all set up. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for your support. 